morning's scripture from Romans 15, verses 14 through 21. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given to me by God. To be a minister of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus, to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand the word of God. Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for these beautiful passages in the book of Romans. Father, we thank you for Paul and your spirit that enabled and guided Paul in the writing of these words, Father. And we pray this morning that your spirit would enlighten our hearts and minds. That we may take from these passages something that's new and fresh and that may be life-changing to us that these passages may shape our lives going forward as we apply them, Father. And Lord, I pray that the words I speak be not of me, but be glorifying unto you and for your people. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we continue this march onward toward the end of the book of Romans, we find ourselves in a pretty meaty section of the book. We're going to hover over this section for a few weeks. Uh, There's a lot of gold in this section, and hopefully we're going to dig some of it out over the next few weeks. But this morning we're going to focus on sanctification. We're going to focus on what that means, why that means something, and why it should be important to us. We looked at sanctification a couple weeks ago. The week prior to Mother's, to Mother's Day, we, we looked at it with respect to First Peter, if you remember. And I believe that we have that two weeks ago, and then we have today's passage. And I believe that God is wanting to show us something about sanctification as a church and as individual members of the church. The root word sancti means holy. And if you take sancti and you take fication, fication means to make. So the word itself means to make holy. It's a very old word. And over time it may have lost some of its effect. Unfortunately, the English language and we specifically as Americans, we tend to do that with words. We tend to do that with words that were once very significant. The word holy, right? Holy has been thrown on a trash heap of slang in our use of that word. Holy cow, 
holy mackerel, holy whatever. But we use it in a way that we should not use it. It takes away the effect of that word. And it's that way with a lot of words. Satan has a way of coming to us and taking a word that is incredibly important and useful in guiding us as Christians and throwing it on the trash heap of slang to where we use it every day in a way that it was never intended to be used. Damn. It's a very important word. But we use it as slang and it has lost all sense of meaning. Hell. Very important word. But it is used all the time, every day, in slang, and has lost its meaning. Jesus Christ. Perhaps no name is more important throughout the history of all mankind. But how often do you hear that used as slang? God. Yet another one. You name it, they continue to be used as slang, use their importance, lose their importance, lose their meaning. Satan does that with us. But the funny thing is, he doesn't use his name, right? You ever heard anyone smash their thumb and cry out, Lucifer? No, doesn't happen. In fact, if we ever use his name, it's sort of a joking type situation where we see a kid that may be acted up and you little devil. But other than that, it's not. But all the words that are precious and found in God's word and should be used to help us understand God, we water them down, we throw them on that trash heap of slang, and they lose the meaning and significance they should have in our lives. So this word sanctification or to make holy, what does that look like in reality? What does that look like in a Christian? It happens when somebody deals in a lot of cash. The service they offer or the products they sell, they take in cash. And what do they do with that cash? They put it in their pocket They hide it from the government. They lie on their taxes. Not going to report it. Then they meet Jesus. And they realize what they've been doing is ungodly, sinful, and wrong. And they report every last dime that they make to the IRS. That's sanctification. It happens when someone has an addiction to pornography. And it's their own dirty little nasty secret. And they slide away in the confines between themselves and the internet and their phone or their computer. And there it is. It's destroying their life, their marriage, their family. And then they meet Jesus. And then they give up all that was nasty and awful and terrible and destroying their lives. 
And it becomes that battle that they engage in each and every day. That sanctification. It happens when a boyfriend and girlfriend love each other and decide that they're going to move in and live together. That they're going to take what God meant as holy and should only happen in the sanctity and beauty of a marriage and use it in another way. And then after a blowout fight one night, the young lady's digging through the Bible that her grandmother gave her and she finds Jesus in its pages. She finds the courage, the wisdom, the power through the Holy Spirit to tell her boyfriend, I love you, but this is not what God intended and I'm going to move out. I'm going to move out. That's sanctification. That's becoming holy. Becoming holy is a process whereby Christians are given the strength to do the things that are pleasing to God and become more like Him with our lives each and every day. It may be painful to our flesh, but true Christians choose the pain over sin. Verses 15 and 16, Paul writes, But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul's writing to the Romans and he's writing very boldly to them about some things and he admits that. And he's writing to them boldly and he tells them that he does that because God has given him the grace to be a minister of Christ Jesus. And he has been given the grace to be a minister of Christ Jesus to a certain group of people. It was to everyone, but the focus he's talking about here is on the Gentiles. That is his priestly service of the gospel of God. Now get this. He was called to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles as part of his job to God so that offering the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul's entire goal of his ministry to the Gentiles is that they will be offered to God sanctified. Holy. He's not looking for converts. That's not his goal. He doesn't want people to pray a prayer and ask God Christ for forgiveness and go out and live their lives. And you're going to see why in a few moments. He's looking for sanctified people to offer to God because that is what God requires. Sanctification is where the rubber meets the road. 
Okay? Sanctification is the hard thing. Jesus forgiving you of your sins and you praying a prayer and asking, that's easy. That's the, what was the Staples had the easy button? That's the easy button. That's why we have so many people that do it and never come back. Sanctification is the hard thing. This separates the wheat from the chaff. Becoming holy is hard. Becoming holy is an everyday battle. We see it time after time after time. People think they want to be a Christian. And then when it gets real hard, they're out. That's why Paul was so focused on, I want to offer God Gentiles that are sanctified. Jesus says, wide is the gate that leads to what? Destruction. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Those that come and say a prayer or sign a card or come to the altar, that gate's pretty wide, but then it gets real narrow whenever they go home and they go to work and they go back and face that old life that they were in. The narrowing of that gate is a thing called sanctification. Verse 17, in Christ Jesus, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. So Paul was always giving God the credit for any accomplishment he made. And he really wants to hammer that home. He says it in these passages multiple times. In Christ Jesus, it is only in Christ Jesus that I have any reason to be proud whatsoever. In verse 18, once again, Paul says, I'm not even going to speak about anything that I've done except what Christ has accomplished through me. What's the goal in Paul's ministry as he says it here? To bring the Gentiles to obedience. So I hope you can understand and see that verses 16 and 18, that sanctification equals obeying or being obedient to Christ Jesus. If you are not being obedient to Christ Jesus, you are not being sanctified. So that's ultimately what it means. I've gave you a definition of to become more holy. The better, more clear definition is to obey Christ Jesus. That's the definition. Too many times in the church today that we get this notion or idea that I like God's grace and it doesn't matter what I do. That's a lie. Okay, don't don't believe that. It matters what you do, what you say. That's what he says. I'm bringing the the Gentiles, or Christ is bringing the Gentiles to obedience by words, by what comes out of their mouth, and what they do. I 
I think we focus too much on reciting the sinner's prayer and just stop there. We let people think that they're okay when they ain't. You hear that all the time, right? You hear pastors come up and say, so-and-so was saved last Sunday, and that's great, but were they? I don't know. Time's going to tell. And how are we going to tell? Sanctification. Were they serious and really wanted to delve into this difficult life? And it is difficult. Or did they just find it as a matter of convenience to be able to unburden their guilty conscience we've seen this idea of being obedient to Christ as we've gone through Romans and we go back to chapter 6 verses 17 through 19 but thanks be to God that you were once slaves to sin You've now become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Obedience. And having been set free from sin, you now become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Just as you were once presented, just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members of slaves to righteousness, leading to what? Sanctification. You were once slaves to sin. You have been saved. So now you are obedient from the heart. Verse 17 says, and here in verse 19, You now present your members as slaves to righteousness, which leads to becoming more holy or sanctification. So sanctification is the process of making us holy that is accomplished by being obedient to Christ Jesus. Now there may be those of you out there that say, hmm, that's a big word. It's a word that You may get upset and worry about Scott, but I'm going to leave that with you. My life's okay the way it was, right? I I said that prayer back whenever I was whatever age, and that's just not me. I'm not a super saint. People that worry about sanctification are people like Paul, people that are preachers, people that are elders, not me. It's not my worry or my concern. I'm just going to go about my life and base my life on the foundation that I accepted Christ as my Savior. Now I'm good to go. Not going to worry about that. Before you get too confident in that, I'll share something with you. Hebrews 12, 14. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Let that settle in. If you ain't sanctified, you ain't saved. It's that simple. Yeah, it's a big word, and it's a big word that you all need to know, and you should be concerned with. 
You should be much more concerned with sanctification than January 23rd, 1979 when you gave your life to Christ. Becoming more holy is way more important than that prayer you said. Because if you're not becoming more holy, that prayer was a waste of oxygen. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived into thinking, it'll be all right. I'll be okay. Because that's not what God's word says. It may be what Satan tries to tell you in your mind whenever you are embracing the same sin you were embracing last week, last month, last year, five years ago, ten years ago. But sanctification is a process day after day after day and a fight and a battle. And if you're not in that fight or in that battle, then you're not being sanctified. And then that calls you to call into question your own salvation, right? Hebrews 5, 9. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who, what? Obey him, the source of eternal salvation. So if you read this, it's easy to to break this passage apart. If you don't obey Christ, then he is not the source of your salvation. If you're not obeying him, he's worthless to you. You cannot be saved and disregard his teachings. And I I hope you know that. I hope you understand that. Now, God wants us to enjoy the security we have in Christ Jesus. And there is a lot to be said for that, and and he wants that for each one of us as believers. But if you're not being sanctified, you should have no security. You should feel like in an instant, if you die, you're going to hell. Because that's the way he wants it. But the church has done a horrible job of this in recent years, right? We've drifted so far to the left that we just want everybody to feel like there is no hell, and we're not going to go. And everything's okay. It's not God's word. It's not what his word says. It's not the reality of the creation in which we live. If you you are disobedient to his word, and it doesn't bother you, I'll repeat that. If you are disobedient to his word, and that doesn't bother you, then you're in trouble. You're in serious trouble. Sometimes in the Bible we see things that kind of look like contradictions. And we can have a hard time dealing with them in our finite minds. And this morning's passage is one of them. There's an apparent contradiction in all of this. Ephesians 1.3 says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit when we believe. So we believe, we say a prayer for forgiveness, and we're sealed. Now, Brother Scott, you're telling me through Paul's teaching that if I'm not sanctified, I'm not going to make it. 
So either I'm sealed or I'm not sealed. What, what, what gives here? Either I'm saved or I'm not saved. So there seems to be a little bit of tension in that. Now hopefully you all can see that tension in those passages. The key to understanding this, I think, is that we have to realize the Holy Spirit seals us and the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. But he doesn't do either one of them in isolation and without any movement on our part. I want you to know and understand, we have no part in it. There's nothing that we can do about it. But it is the Holy Spirit working in and through us that accomplishes both tasks. Back to verse 16. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by whom? The Holy Spirit. So who justifies us? Who saves us? God does. God saves us. Who sanctifies us? God does. The Holy Spirit here tells us that God does that. So what should we do? We just say, well, it's God's job. I'm just going to sit on my hands and continue to sin and wait for that to happen. That's not the way it works, and that's not the way it's played out. Simply not the way it happens. Neither is it true that if, if it is God that saves us, then we don't have to worry about ever doing anything in our lives to make sure that we're saved. We know that there's a process where the Holy Spirit works within us, causes us to to desire to get out of this sinful muck that we're in. The Holy Spirit also works within us that causes us to desire to be more holy, to please God, to see Jesus as the joy of our lives. So, we can do that or we can choose to ignore that. The difference is whether or not we have the Holy Spirit at all. I mean, I hope you understand that. I hope you can see that. It, it, it's, it's identical to sanctification. The Holy Spirit urges us and empowers us to become more holy and obey Christ. That's what he does. Everything the Holy Spirit does points to Jesus. And he's asking us and encouraging and quickening us To fight the sin that so easily entangles and ensnares us. The question is, do you listen to his voice? Do you even hear his voice? Or do you even care? I mean, those are honest questions you have to ask in your own heart. If you don't hear his voice or if you don't care, then you don't know him. If you don't hear his voice or you don't care, you don't know him. It's just like I said two weeks ago when we looked at Peter, right? And hopefully you were able to see how your sanctification, our holiness, was bought with the blood of Christ. God isn't going to use the blood of his son to purchase something that he's not going to get. So 
If you are saved, you are going to be sanctified. If you are not sanctified, you are not saved. It's that simple. That is why it's so important that we recognize sin. We wage war over that sin. Because it is just that. It is a battle. If we are ambivalent toward sin, then God's going to be ambivalent toward us. If we think that sin doesn't matter, we're going to learn someday that it does very much. Now, it is true that we're all sinners. It is true that we all fall every day. But as I said, when you fall, how do you feel about that fall? Is it, eh, it's okay. Or is it a cry out, God set me free from this body of death that drags me down every day of my life? I don't want us to be lukewarm. I don't want us to be lukewarm whenever it comes to sin in our individual lives, in our corporate lives lives as a church. I want us to despise sin in the best way that we possibly can mimic God's disdain for sin. We know what happened in Revelation chapter 3 to the church of Laodicea, right? He says, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, and because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. If you are ambivalent towards sin, if you're ambivalent about Christ and everything else, you don't know him. You're the worst of all. Those are fake Christians. Those are those that want to act like they're okay, but they're not. You see, it's easy for those that are cold and anti-Christ... And it's easy for those that are on fire for Christ and desires above all things to please Him. It's those in the middle that just, nah. I made a decision January 23rd, 1979. I'm good. Those are the lukewarms that are going to get puked out. I don't want us to be that way. Now, it may be spring outside and it may be warm and we may feel comfort in every part of our lives. Don't find comfort in your sin. We must always be on guard and always be striving to become holy as God is holy. We must also remember that we only get there through God's grace. That we only get there through His grace and not of our own accord. Paul said, I thank God that I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but Christ who worked in me. So even though you think you may be conquering that sin, always know that it is Christ that is working through you that's even given you a desire to conquer that sin. I may make you feel bad this morning. Don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit should be bringing you to your knees in the middle of the week when you find yourself enthralled with that sin. Not my words. When we win those battles, 
When we win those battles, glorify God in the same way that Paul does. Because he alone deserves that glory. If the Spirit of God is alive within us, then there will be fruit. There will be sanctification. It's a very simple idea, simple concept. If the Holy Spirit is not alive within us, there will not be fruit. We will be basically the same as we were before we did whatever it is we did to think that we were saved. Let us be a sanctified people. Let us be a sanctified people, for without sanctification we will not see God. Let us make sanctification a primary point of emphasis in our Christian walks because that's how God designed it. I hope that we've been able to see how important sanctification is and will always be in our walks as Christian. That sanctification is way more important than that day when you ask Christ to forgive you of your sins. Because it is the sanctification that determines whether that day was true or just a facade or some way for you to get something off your chest. It is in us becoming holy as God is holy. Amen? Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for Paul's words and how poignant they are in all of our lives, Lord, as we look inward to determine where we are. Are we a sanctified people like Paul was sanctifying through the Holy Spirit the Gentiles so that they would be acceptable? Father, we pray that you sanctify us so that we will be acceptable. Father, as we walk out of here and as we go forward this week, give us the courage and the strength to fight sin in our lives. No matter from where it comes, no matter what it looks like, what form it takes, let us put on our our armor and let us battle it because we know the battle is yours and we know the victory is yours, Father. And let us fight knowing that we're going to win because you're going to win it for us, Father. And let us not, when we win those battles, forget to give you the glory and the praise. We thank you for it's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.